This is the John Oakley Show podcast. There's going to be an election later on this year, October 21st. Seems like an eternity away, but these things tend to come upon us uh, rather quickly. And uh, while in America, they're already going for the 2020 presidential election. I think people are flooding into New Hampshire and uh, throwing their hat into the (laughs) ring. Our friend Mark Stein was telling us about that yesterday. Here in uh, Canada, though, uh, there's already talk that there may be some defining issues that could either uh, make or break the current government of Justin Trudeau. And Andrew Scheer, certainly as the leader of the official opposition, would want to exploit those uh, to his advantage. So let's find out what they may be from his perspective. Andrew Scheer is joining Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mr. Scheer, always a pleasure. Good afternoon and a happy new year to you. Good afternoon and happy to you, uh, happy new year to you and all your listeners as well. Well, all right. Uh, as we say, the year is now uh, 2019, and I guess you've got the date October 21 circled in red on your calendar, don't you? That's right. It's just uh, a few months away now. It, uh, all through last year, we'd say, you know, 2019, Canadians will have a choice. So now we have to say this year, Canadians will have a choice. All right. Uh, so it's coming at us like a rocket sled on rails. So where do you think Justin Trudeau is particularly vulnerable? On which file specifically, Mr. Shear? Well, there are so many areas that he has been uh, demonstrating his his inability to get things done. He's he's failed to get uh, uh, the, the, the budget back under control. He's uh, failed to address the illegal border crossings, uh, and now he's imposing a carbon tax on Canadians. So I'm looking at uh, when I when I travel across the country talking to people, nobody's looking to pay a higher taxes. Uh, Life is uh, expensive enough, and affordability is a big issue. And so this new tax that's coming to it, uh, into effect uh, April 1 for consumers, but January 1 for much of uh, Canada's businesses uh, will certainly drive up the cost of, of uh, literally everything, you know, home heating and driving to work. Commuters will pay more. It also char- lead to higher costs for consumer goods as uh, companies who have to ship things in from other parts of the world will pass those costs on uh, to consumers. So the, the carbon tax is shaping up to be a major issue in 2019. But Justin Trudeau says 90% of Canadians will see a rebate and some may actually come out ahead. Well, nobody believes that they're actually going to be ahead. You know, uh, when you look at how disproportionate people who have to commute to work will have to pay more, when you look at anybody who lives in a suburb or a rural area who have to drive around to drop their kids off or to get to and from work, uh, when we look at how many of these costs aren't being captured by that rebate, it's all well and good to do a rough calculation about what people will pay in higher fuel costs and home heating. Uh, but the, the department of the environment department's own analysis does not include what it will cost for consumer goods going up. You know, the, I did a, an announcement in Regina the, the other day, uh, standing in front of a produce section in, in a grocery store. None of the apples or cucumbers were grown locally in January in Saskatchewan. Now, all of that has to be trucked in. I'm sure the same is true in the in, uh, in the GTA and, and across the country, where we buy a lot of things from other parts of the country, especially in the winter. Those are essentials. Those are not things that Canadian families can just decide to go without. We're talking about putting food on the table and keeping their homes warm. So as those additional costs get passed on, uh, nobody believes they're going to be ahead. The, the government even admits that a big chunk of what they collect, uh, a significant percentage, won't go back in the form of rebates. It'll go to other government spending. So uh, the, the more Canadians learn about this carbon tax, the, the, the more unhappy they are about it, the more angry that they are that they're being forced to pay it. Right. $20 uh, a ton uh, for emissions this year, uh, escalating $10 years, uh, $10 a ton uh, 
up to 50 by 2022. So uh, if you prevail on October 21st, what do you do? Scrap this backstop that he's calling it in provinces that don't have a uh, carbon tax per se or that he would impose? You would uh, ditch the whole thing or do you have a different paradigm? Uh, no, exactly. I would, I would, I would cancel the carbon tax. I've, I've made the commitment that the first order of business for a conservative government would be to repeal the carbon tax. And if I can just pick up on something you said uh, about how it's going up every year into the future, uh, the Environment Department's own documents show that in order to meet the Liberal government's targets, it would ha- the carbon tax would have to be increased to three hundred dollars a ton. Uh, so they're telling Canadians right now it's going to be fifty dollars a ton by 2022, but we know that they're going to raise it higher uh, as we go past. So uh, Canadians need to know in 2019 that if this Liberal government gets reelected, we're not looking at a fifty dollar, or sixty dollar, or a seventy dollar a ton. We're looking at a three hundred dollar a ton carbon tax. That's going to mean big, big, big new expenses for families. Where at that level, we're talking about an extra thousand dollars a year just to keep our warms heated. We're talking about uh, much higher fuel prices. So it's important to, to keep in mind, just as Justin Trudeau promised that the budget would balance itself, when he says that, uh, that the carbon tax is only going to be as high as $50, we just can't believe him, and we know it's going to go higher. All right. Well, uh, other promises that perhaps have not been fulfilled uh, on infrastructure. I, I know that he said they've uh, parked $180 billion over 12 years for infrastructure projects, but what I'm hearing is uh, very little of that money has actually gone out. Uh, what do you hear? What do you know? Well, we're hearing the exact same thing, and, and when the independent parliamentary budget officer does the analysis and, and determines that uh, the money's been allocated but it's not flowing up the door or it's flowing up the door in a way that's just being backfilled by municipalities, it's not actually leading to, to new projects, new, new construction. Then we get, the be- we, we, we get the worst of both worlds. The excuse for going into deficit largely centered around the Liberals' commitment to spending more on infrastructure. That was one of the, 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 the things that Justin Trudeau offered, that there would be more money in infrastructure, and that would be the major cause of the deficits. So now we have the worst of both worlds. We have massive deficits beyond what anybody imagined they would be, and we're not getting the infrastructure that... That, that was promised. So the, the the types of projects that could potentially lead to economic growth and, and new jobs aren't being done, uh, yet we are seeing this out-of-control spending and, and the downside that comes along with that. So uh, when you look at the Conservative government's record on this, we had a, a program called Building Canada, which was widely praised by premiers and mayors of all political stripes because it actually led to new projects being built and it was structured in such a way that uh, it, it, it encouraged municipalities to actually get projects underway, shovels in the ground and work being done. And now we see with this Liberal government money being allocated in Ottawa, but stuck somehow in the mechanics of, of, of this Liberal government's failures. But Mr. Shearer, could you get pipelines built, for example, if you've got uh, Mr. Legault in Quebec, the, the Premier there saying he doesn't want any of that dirty oil coming in from Alberta into his province. How do you square that circle? Well, uh, absolutely, I'll get pipelines built, and, and I've unveiled a plan to address what uh, the uh, problem is. When you have a, what the Silver government has done is bring in regulatory uncertainty by moving the goalposts on the approval process, by bungling the consultation process. So I've unveiled a, a comprehensive plan to, to get them built. When it comes to making Canada self-sufficient on energy, I am convinced that, and, and polls will back me up on this, that Quebecers would rather use energy from 
Canada. The, the fact that uh, Quebec refineries have to import an awful lot of oil, much of it comes from the United States, Middle East, Africa, uh, nobody's happy about that. And, and when you put the question to Quebecers, is, you know, do you want to keep your consumer dollar here in Canada? Uh, do you want to support Canadian industry that will uh, keep uh, you know, people working in Canada and, and benefiting our economy? It's extracted out of the ground at the highest environmental levels, highest uh, standards for labor. Uh, that's much, much better than the real dirty oil, which is oil that comes from Saudi Arabia and other countries that have nothing like the environmental and human rights standards that we do. So that's if, if we can present that in that way, I'm convinced that the people of, of Quebec and other provinces will support it. Uh, it makes no sense to me why we're buying uh, oil and gas from Donald Trump's America, from other countries, when we could have a, a federal government provide that visionary leadership to get Western Canadian energy to Eastern Canadian markets, benefiting provinces and people all along the way. So you're pretty confident you can sell that to Mr. Legault in Quebec? Yeah, it, it, look, it's 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 essential that we get, we we cannot afford to look at a huge chunk of our economy uh, die, and and this is what Justin Trudeau wants. I I I tell people that Justin Trudeau has failed at most things that he has tried to do. This is one area where he is actually succeeding in what he wants to do. He he set out to strangle the energy sector. He canceled the Northern Gateway project, which would have opened up Asian markets, getting uh, Canadian energy to countries like Japan, China, and India. Uh, He canceled the Energy East project, which we were just talking about, getting Western Canadian energy to Eastern Canadian markets. And he's bought Trans Mountain, but has done nothing with it. So in this respect, I believe it's a deliberate attempt. When you look at how many uh, Canadian savings are invested in the energy sector, when you look at public sector pensions, we look at uh, people who have money in mutual funds as they approach retirement. Our energy sector here in Canada provides a, a great deal of prosperity for all Canadians in every part of the country, and we need a champion that supports it and will get it back on its feet. It's a national issue. This isn't just like a, an economic slump in, in one particular region of the country. This is a major issue that's happening to our economy right now. And, the, and, and, and Canada, Canada and Canadians need a prime minister that takes this seriously and believes in it. Well, you know, uh, most people concede that uh, the battleground is central Canada, Quebec, and uh, Ontario. And uh, which leads me to the question, Mr. Bernier, I know he's been a thorn in the side. He says he's got representation in all 338 ridings. Do you perceive him to be a legitimate threat that could siphon off a few points that could be uh, a game changer or a deal breaker? I don't believe so. I mean, uh, I'm focused on on doing what I've always done, which is uh, articulate a positive conservative message and explain to Canadians how conservative policies can make their lives more affordable and and make our country stronger. And the fact of the matter is people who may be looking at Maxine Bernier's party uh, know that it's our party that actually has been a strong voice on issues that are important to them. So uh, I'm encouraging people to to look at how it's, uh, it's been the conservative party that's been fighting against illegal border crossings against runaway, irresponsible spending, fighting for balanced budgets. So there's really, I don't perceive a risk there because there's not a market that's looking for what what that party's offering. We are the best chance to beat Justin Trudeau. The Conservative Party of Canada 
and, and, and myself as leader of that party, we, we will beat Justin Trudeau in 2019, uh, and we will offer Canadians a clear alternative, a much different style of government than what Justin Trudeau is offering. So for all those people who think that, uh, who, who, who realize that Canada is going in a very negative direction under Justin Trudeau's leadership, uh, that the, 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 not just the, I'm not just confident that they're going to stick with the Conservative Party. I am confident that they're going to be excited about working with us to form government in 2019. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll talk again many, many more times before the uh, run-up to the October 21st election. I appreciate your leading off the new year with uh, an overview of where you think perhaps Mr. Trudeau is particularly vulnerable. Appreciate your time as always, Mr. Scheer. Thank you very much and all the best. And to you, Andrew Scheer, again, leader of the official opposition. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.